the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I have an amazing educator on the show today, Darcy Bakigard. Darcy has an impressive background in education, as well as being the co-author of a soon-to-be-released book called The Startup Teacher Playbook. I am so intrigued by her story and her expertise, and I cannot wait to dive in and learn from her. Welcome, Darcy. Thank you for that sweet introduction. Oh, I'm so looking forward to our conversation. We have so much to chat about. I I can't wait. I think the biggest part of living life in a pandemic is that I crave conversations like this. Um, the isolation teaching, I think, can be such an isolating and oddly isolating profession. You know, we're with kids all day, every day, and yet it can kind of feel like you're in it all by yourself. And now I'm home now with kids um, who are almost a year old, but I can only imagine for those people teaching distance learning or hybrid learning that this year is even more isolating. And I'm feeling that being at home in a pandemic with three little, with three 11 month olds. And so I'm so excited because I get to talk to another adult about adult (laughs) education-y things and get my brain working. So it's very exciting, Tish. Oh, well, I feel the same way. You know, I had no idea when I started this podcast a year ago, it's been just a little over a year, that we would be at this spot, you know, in education where we are, like you said, so isolated. And I, too, crave the conversation. And I'm I'm in an office by myself on Zoom calls throughout the day. But really... I I don't see hardly anybody mm-hmm. in that entire stretch of the day actually in real life. And uh, I was laughing with a colleague just yesterday that I had I had actually worn this really cute outfit to work and I was like this is such this is such a bummer that no one can see my cute outfit right now. <laughs> I was so excited about it. My hair was all curled and then no one saw it all day long. <laughs> no one sees you. Yeah, and there is that flip side, right? You know, of I I interviewed for a job when I was teaching overseas. I interviewed for a job back in North Dakota, and because it was 11 p.m. where I was, and we were doing a Zoom interview, yeah, it was business on top and pajamas on the bottom, and so there's a good bad of the Zoom world versus. Um, but I hear you. It, it's just so I felt so trapped in my classroom frequently. And now we're kind of trapped in this Zoom world. And thank goodness for technology, without which, you know, there would be nothing right now. So at least we have these outlets of being able to connect to people and being able to FaceTime and being able to see and hear colleagues and friends and family and students. Um, But I think as much as I love technology and am a technology integration coach, I think this is a great reminder of all that technology can do for us, but also some of those limitations that, you know, to really make learning magical, I love that that's your focus. We we need both. Like we can't, like tech isn't going to do it on its own because 
we, that can be that spark and that can be part of it. But we, as educators, we bring the magic and uh, kudos to all of you who are out there doing that because bringing the magic from a distance, man, it just, my, my head hurts thinking about it. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's been so challenging. Well, Darcy, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and your background into education, just so our listeners can get to know you. Sure. So I was working in my undergraduate degree is in theater. I have a degree in acting and directing. So very, very marketable (laughs) degrees. (laughs) But I have a background in theater and a minor in dance. I mean, all of it. So so applicable. Um, And was working in Minneapolis um, for a nonprofit theater and doing some things and just really felt like something was missing and that I wasn't tapping into all that I wanted to do. So I went back and I got a teaching certificate and was lucky enough to be part of a master's track program. So I got my initial certification while working on my master's at the same time, started teaching. I taught um, high school and middle school English and theater. It did end up coming back around. And so I was the director of theater at um, several schools. I have taught Everything from seventh grade literary literary um, studies, so a seventh and eighth grade course to help support struggling readers, to AP language and AP lit. Um, I a lot of theater classes. I I taught overseas in Istanbul for two years and was the director of theater there. And there, I only taught theater. So it was this beautiful mix of my two things Um, and got to experience all kinds of things. And that really solidified. I got to serve as a theater integration coach. So um, the idea being, and this is what my master's thesis was on, on using interactive theater strategies in the regular classroom. Um, so anytime I listen to you and talk how you talk about, like like I said, the making learning magical, I think about a lot of that, of the things that we do and that kind of come naturally if you have a theater background, that the sure. things we do in theater classes and in theater activities, they aren't just theater. So when I taught in Istanbul, I was, part of my job was to serve as a, an interactive teaching coach. So it wasn't technology, but it was helping other teachers integrate more interactive, collaborative strategies into their classes. Came back to the United States and was teaching high school, um, started doing more and more tech integration, uh, which started a bit while I was in Istanbul. Um, we we did a lot with YouTube since I was teaching a theater class. We did a lot of recording and and um, sound editing and making soundscapes to go with our performances and doing different things. So all of those things kind of merged together. I taught for three years back in North Dakota and then accepted a position as a teacher ambassador, very fancy title for basically being a professional development coach and technology integration specialist for our local um, NPR station and uh, PBS station here in North Dakota. So then I was working for the company is Prairie Public Broadcasting. 
going around to different schools and hosting workshops and getting to merge both of my loves. So I did a lot of technology integration and tech support, but also did a lot of interactive theater strategies. And it's interesting to me because I think the two worlds really play off of each other well, even though they feel like they should be two separate sides of your brain. (laughs) Sure. Um, But it has been amazing. And so the, the last year, I have been back at home. I had triplets just shy of a year ago. They will be one year old um, next week. And so my life, when we found out that I was having triplets, we kind of got a lot of other things uh, arranged and decided that I would stay home. But as part of staying home, and actually the day that I was told, all right, you're having the babies today, I was like, okay, but can I finish editing um, this one section of this book? Um, And so through all of this process, um, it's all coming together in in the book that you mentioned of the Startup Teacher Playbook that I co-wrote with Michelle Blanchett. And so then this year has really been a beautiful gift of being home with my kids and finishing our book and we're going to my babies will turn one and my book baby will hopefully come into the world in December early January amazing oh my goodness I cannot wait I cannot wait to read it and uh, I was able to sneak peek at the cover that is on your website and it's gorgeous it's so so exciting so proud of you it's such an accomplishment thank you it's been just it's a burden of love and just so it's so exciting because there's just so much having served I've taught at so many different schools um rural schools in Wisconsin um, when I taught in Istanbul, you know, I was in the middle of a city of 15 million. I most recently taught in West Fargo, North Dakota, which in North Dakota is a big town. I wouldn't say that I've taught um, in inner city, but I've I have this whole stretch of these teaching experiences, and oddly, like two things I think have remained constant wherever I've taught because people always ask me, like, "Oh, are kids different here?" like kids are fundamentally kids. They're Mm -hmm. the same kids who are struggling readers, kids who are super smart kids in Turkey, kids in Wisconsin, kids who grew up on a farm, kids who grew up in town. That is constant. Kids are kids. Students are students and you have to adapt and read them and play off of them. But they're fundamentally kids are kids. And it's beautiful and complicated and more dynamic than that. But that's one lesson I've learned. And the other big constant has been that professional development just really is not where it should be for teachers. And that so much of the time that we spend in professional development feels like, I always say, in the best case scenario, Worst case scenario, I would sit there and feel like I could literally be dusting my classroom right now and it would have a greater (laughs) impact for my teaching than what I'm sitting through right now. Or best case scenario, I would be so jazzed and inspired and fired up by what the person was saying and I would have all of these ideas. But the reality of teaching was the next day, 
I was back in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And so there right. was never, there was never follow through. There was never follow up. There was never any of this stuff to actually like build on that. And so right. there are also, there are all of these things that kind of have come together, the theater and the tech and this idea that kids are universally the same, yet they're all so specifically different. It's this great mm-hmm. dynamic that we have to tailor things to the specific kids in front of us, even though there are a lot of general things that will work because kids are kids, but you have to tailor everything to the specific kids in front of you. And professional development needs more. Teachers, educators, we as educators deserve more and Mm -hmm. deserve more space to be creating the kind of professional development that we need and that we want and that is going to help us actually serve those kids. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh my goodness. There's so many things that I want to touch on. So I definitely want to talk about this idea of professional development, but um, also what this book is all about and how it's crafted and what the reader can expect from it. Um, But before I go there, I have to go back to this Istanbul and this interactive theater strategy that you talked about, because uh, I'm, I'm super intrigued because, you know, I, was a culinary arts teacher for many, many years, 20 years. And, uh, and I think about being in that career and technical ed class and that the hands on, you know, project-based learning and all of those things. And um, so much, I think that happens in those, those types of classes, those elective classes can really be brought in. We can use so many of those strategies that, that we see in those classes and bring those into um, the core subject areas. And I'm intrigued by this whole idea of this interactive coach. And is that something that is that they developed for you? Was that is that something that's that's common in Istanbul to have this kind of a role or how did that role come about? It was, it existed. It was part of the job description. It was part of why I applied for that job. It sounded like it hadn't been as much of a focus of the job. I don't think it's very specific. Honestly, I think it was maybe one of those things. We have this position, we have this director of theater we're not, I didn't, my full-time teaching load, I taught two classes, two classes because I was the director of theater. And so I didn't have, my responsibilities were to then direct the shows. So that was just part of my job. But I think when they, my guess would be when they looked at kind of the balance of hours it was one of those, like, what else would be a piece of this job? So maybe it's this. Um, and I was at an American school called Robert College um, that is for all Turkish students. So it was an American college. The, the staff was all mixed, um, but all of our students were Turkish. And probably the biggest thing I learned there, because you're absolutely right, the things that inherently happen in a tech ed class, in the creative arts, in an art class. I mean, in all of these, like you said, the elective courses, 
And those are frequently the things that kids get jazzed about, that kids talk about. Um, there's no reason why regular, regular, I'm doing air quotes, why regular classes can't incorporate some of that thinking and some of that doing. And there's so, I mean, one of the first things that I did was stop calling it um, theater strategies, interactive theater strategies. I learned very quickly that for whatever reason, the word theater just scares people and just puts up a wall. Well, I, I can't do that. But when I started calling them interactive teaching strategies, that was seemingly much more accessible for people. And so I tried to just, I tried to actually take the theater out of it and let it be just interactive teaching strategies. And I've found some similar success as a technology coach, oddly kind of doing the same thing. Like, let's not use a lot of tech verbiage. Let's not use a lot of tech talk. Let's just make this about teaching. And here's this other tool that you use while you're teaching. And so keeping those things, because I have found that teacher, I mean, teachers in general, we want to do our best. Like, right, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. We're in this for the kids. And so we don't want to do something that we're not going to be good at because my experience is we don't want that to be a bad experience for our students. So, you know, we stick to what we're good at. Um, So breaking down some of those barriers. And it was so much fun because I got to work with other teachers. And it goes back to that idea that we're so isolated in education. Um, I don't think we have enough co-teaching opportunities. I don't, you know, I don't think we open those doors to, well, what would it look like if the culinary arts course paired with the history class? And they, as they were going through these different time periods, there was this collaboration between the courses. What would it look like then if we also brought in the orchestra teacher and we had this, I mean, like, all of the things that you hear about in these multidisciplinary units, why wouldn't, why, why aren't we doing more of these things? Right. Yeah. It's, it would be amazing. And I think too, right now, when everything's disrupted, like how can we truly, there are no rules. No there are no right rules right uh-uh. now. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> and yeah. As scary as that is, because I'm a pretty type A person, you know, I had my whole course calendar laid out for the whole, I mean, I'm a very big believer in planning backwards, you know, so in order to know what you can cut and what you can ditch, you have to know the whole scope. And I mean, like, very much a planner. And I think the biggest gift, I know it's so stressful, but the biggest gift right now is that all of these problems that we're experiencing with distance and hybrid learning and all of these unknowns really mean there are no right answers. And there's so much potential to turn some of these problems in education into possibilities. And to use this as as a learning lab and kind of a series of experiments of like, okay, we have this kind of giant reset button Mm -hmm. that has been triggered. And maybe we didn't want it (laughs) and it's causing a lot of stress, but let's seize that opportunity and embrace that positive. So this is kind of, we have this lab experiment going on right now where we can test things, Mm -hmm. where we can really drill down 
what are the things that kids really need to do? What are the things that we're doing? How are we keeping them engaged? Mm -hmm. And if we're able to keep them engaged at a distance, if we double down on some of those same strategies in the classroom, how engaged could we keep these kids and what could we accomplish? And as awful as I think this whole experience has been for everyone, for parents, oh my goodness, for parents and guardians, for for kids, maybe this could create this organic opportunity to truly revolutionize education. And to when we come back, when we're able to come back, to not just fall back to, well, okay, so now I'm back in the classroom and this is how my classroom works. Mm-hmm. But to really step back and look at that big picture of, okay, like what is truly essential here? And what can we reimagine? And there's so much talk about innovation in education. Mm-hmm. So much talk about innovation. And I think that's good. There needs to be a lot of talk. We need to hype up innovation. But I don't think there's hardly any conversation about how. Right. How do you innovate? There are a lot of innovative teachers. There are a lot of people who are doing innovative things. There are a lot of people saying we need to be creative and be innovative. But there aren't a lot of strategies for that innovation. So all of this, the the taking problems and turning them into possibilities, the need for professional development that didn't leave me feeling like, now what? Um, And this need for something in innovation that actually helps you to innovate. Mm -hmm. These are all part of the Startup Teacher Playbook. Like this is at the heart of everything. And we started the book and wrote most of it well before the pandemic. Mm. And as we, as I have watched teachers go through this experience and watched my siblings have to teach at home and fight those battles and watch my nieces and nephews go through this and all of my educator friends, it has really made me feel like, okay, yes, this is, we're onto something this playbook is what we need to have some concrete steps and some support to help teachers innovate in education. And hopefully the beauty of going through all this pain is that we'll come out on the other side with all this opportunity um, to really change and grow and, and adapt in education. And I think everybody's ready for that now in a way that maybe they weren't um, a year ago. I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about our own district and how, you know, teachers, um, have had no choice, but to completely shift and to pivot. And, and I know in our own situation in our district, we've moved to a learning management system. There's been not only adapting to teaching, but learning to, you know, adapting to brand new platforms and delivering instruction. And as much as teachers want to, they want to be better, they want to learn, they want to create the best experiences they can for students, they are also tapped out, (laughs) like they're at the end of their bandwidth. And so when you talk about and you talk about, you know, we need innovation, but we need, how do we do that? Like, 
teachers want to, they want to be better. They want to do um, and have effective strategies that are going to reach kids, but they want to know how. And, and so I think that this is something that will be so, so helpful. So I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through, how is this laid out? Like, can you give kind of an example of what teachers can expect when they get this book? Like, how does it walk you through that process? It's based, it's called the Startup Teacher Playbook because my co-author, Michelle, has a lot of experience. She was a social studies teacher and has got involved in the social startup world and social entrepreneurs. And she started seeing how in the business world, there are these shortcuts and these ways to do like a short, there's this thing called the business model canvas. And it allows business owners and entrepreneurs to outline an idea for a new product or for a new business and pretty quickly get feedback on it and see, is this feasible? Is this going to work? And she just kept thinking back to the classroom experience of why don't we have a playground model? Like, why don't we have something that helps teachers? And we have a lot of things that are helping us develop this mindset of doing the human-centered design or the design thinking and all of these things. But very few teachers are trained in that kind of thinking. Like very few of us are trained to be thinking about this. We go through our education process and those tools aren't embedded. I don't think that was not my um, teaching training experience. So those are all things we're kind of learning about after the fact. And the idea here is that a, those things need to be part of teacher training. And that's going to be a whole separate part of our mission and journey as we're, we're moving forward. We need to be training teachers to be innovators. Like this can't be an aftermarket add-on that we are trying to you know, update teachers and, you know, upload this new software. We really need to be training people to be looking at education with this innovation, with this entrepreneurial mindset. And not entrepreneurial in the idea that we want teachers to go out and that education is supposed to be about making money. That's not what we mean. It's just a startup in the sense that you have the right to start up your own ideas. You as the teacher in the classroom, you are the person who knows your students, who knows what problems exist, who can see firsthand what is working and what isn't. And instead of sitting in an auditorium, and I am speaking from my own experience, I'm not trying to say that this is all professional learning, but instead of sitting in an auditorium with 600 educators at the beginning of the school year where everybody is being trained on this same thing, what if we were empowered as educators to work collaboratively, work in teams, work alone, given time and support and space and the structure to identify those problems and design solutions to them. So taking that idea of innovation, but not just innovation for the sake of innovation, you know, the greatest technology tool, you can have the best, coolest app, but if it's not serving a need, if it's not serving a purpose in the classroom, if it's not helping you accomplish one of your teaching goals, my feeling is 
what's the point? Like, why, like, don't just use tech for the sake of using tech. So all of these things, the startup teacher playbook is organized to help teachers do that, to start up your ideas, to turn problems into possibilities. So it goes through five modules. And the first module is really just our theory, kind of what I've just been talking about, of the need for redesigning professional learning, why it needs to be teachers. Yes, we need building administrators to be on board with this, but I firmly believe that change in education is going to happen from the ground up, not from the top down. When we wait for top down decisions, we get things that are too little too late, all too often, in my experience, and frequently things that don't really work because they're coming from this place. And we need those people. We need, I mean, oh my goodness, I would not want to be an administrator and God bless them right now and everything they're handling. But there are different there are different lenses in education. And a lot of the day-to-day problems in education need a teacher to solve them. We need teachers in the classroom. Um, but in my 13 years of education experience, I don't think I was ever asked. What are the problems in your classroom right now? What isn't going well? Like what isn't working? What isn't working in this building? Like what and and how are we going to fix it? And let's brainstorm together and let's work together. So the second module in the book really takes you through this startup teacher process and using what we call the educator canvas. So instead of the business model canvas, we've designed one specifically for teachers And the goal of it is to help teachers identify a specific problem, something that isn't working. And problem we use very broadly. So it could be a challenge. It could just be something that's been annoying. It could be the thing that you hear kids complaining about, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be like a big problem. It could be like, man, every time we have to line up for lunch, it's like chaos in here. So I need to just take five minutes and work through this. So it's a simple one-page document. But once you go through the document and answer these questions, we have found through doing workshops with teachers, these are the questions that we either don't think about as teachers, so they kind of stifle or limit um, things that we're trying to do. They limit success, or they flat-out stop people from even trying. And by taking 15, 20 minutes to go through and organize your ideas and ask these guided questions, it can go a long way in getting people from idea to implementation of an idea. The next two modules in the book, we start tapping into some of the other things. So one of them is about teacher self-care and how to... So in order to do this innovation work, you have to be in the right frame of mind. You have to be in that mindset where you're able to see a problem as a possibility. And as you were just saying, Tisha, if we're overwhelmed, if we're learning a new content management system and we're having to redesign our entire curriculum, that's a lot. And then most people, you know, still have families and lives and homes to take care of and all of those other things. So there, is, there are times when you need to just do you. 
and you don't need to worry about innovating and revolutionizing theater. You need to take care of yourself. So we have some activities that um, we found the type of teacher, as we've got, done workshops with educators, there are five main traits that we have seen really help teachers um, ensure that they're successful. And so we have taken those, and in the second module, we help you t- develop and refresh your heart and your optimism and tap into some of these things. So it's kind of a, a journal and some workshop um, activities, some things to think about. Some of them won't apply to certain people. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, one thing might be very, very relevant, and then other things you know, you'll skip where you might find something like, oh, I need to do this with my students more than um, for myself. And all of those things are fantastic. So that's the third module is really focusing on you as a teacher, taking care of yourself. And then the fourth module, in order to do all of these things, same kind of thing. So we want innovation in education. We need to take care of ourselves That next step is we hope that more teachers will start to see themselves as educational leaders. And so the fourth module is, again, a lot of some activities, a lot of post-it notes, some things to think about, some, some guided questions, and it's helping teachers. It's hopefully a self-guided coach to help you view yourself as the leader that you are. Um, you already lead your classroom. You already lead the learning experience for all of these little minds and young minds every single day. And uh, we believe that more teachers need to truly see themselves as leaders in education in order for innovation to happen. So it's a cycle, you know, of all of these pieces feed into each other. Um, Some people might really gravitate toward the transformational leadership piece and like want to just work on that. Some people might really want this self-care piece of, you know, developing these five attributes. Some people might really want to go through this problem-solving process. It's based on the educator canvas and we walk you through step-by-step. There's a lot of guided questions. There's examples. There's all of these things that you can go through. But you can also get the canvas. The book doesn't come out for, you know, until December, January. But you can get the canvas right now for free from our website. It will always be a free download. We believe in the canvas so much and we want it in the hands of educators that if you go to our website, uh, which is theeducatorslab.com, you're in the lab already. Uh, We have free tools for educators and there's the educator canvas you can click on that link and download the canvas and use that. The book walks you through and gives more guiding questions and support for every single box. It has more activities, um, more um, how-tos, how to develop your problem question, how to develop a solution statement. We really break down every single piece uh, because we found that some people, for some educators, this this one pager is enough to just go. And other people want a more s- systematic approach. So we make both available for teachers. 
And then the fifth module is a lot of other just free activities, different activities that we have designed and used uh, through our teaching experience, through leading workshops. So it's a lot of uh, photocopyable pages that you would be able to use uh, to lead workshops if you got to that point as a teacher to you know, bring a group of colleagues together and say, we're going to go through the educator canvas together. So five modules, five different ways to kind of help teachers start up their ideas. And we really hope that this is the start to, I mean, I know we're, we're dreaming big, but we dream that this is the start to a revolution in teaching where we really are empowering teachers to make grassroots changes based on the kids in front of them, the people around them, and the needs that they see every single day. Wow. That is a lot to unpack. That is, that's amazing that you started writing this book before we hit pandemic, because it seems like this is made for times such as this, right? Where we are. Sometimes. We did go back and modify a couple paragraphs because we were like, we can't not talk about COVID now because this has this, like, it it just feels like we were writing this book for this and it just happened to overlap. Wow. It's amazing. I, I think as you're talking about all of these different parts, it seems like one of those books that you'll kind of devour and then you'll be going back and, and going to pieces that you need and, And going back for the part on strategies and then going back to do the part where, you know, you're going through the canvas with Mm -hmm. your team or individually as a teacher and um, just have it as this resource that you're going to be referring to often. I love that. We, I think, I'm pretty sure we even say that in the intro, in that first module, you're not going to just read this book. And if that's how you need to read books, because some people like me, just do that. Like that's how we read books, but it's really designed to be come and take what is going to serve you right now in this moment and help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. Um, We hope with the underlying message that you teacher in your classroom, as overwhelmed as you feel, as maybe sometimes forgotten as you might feel, as however you might be feeling, you teacher, you are the best solution for education challenges because you're the teacher. You are a learning designer who is out there in the trenches and you deserve to take the time to have the time to have the support to innovate and to play with your ideas and to try things out and to make changes that are going to make the learning experience better for your students, but let's be honest, are also going to make the teaching experience richer and more rewarding and better for you so that you can come back refreshed and energized and excited about what you're doing because you love what you're doing and you're able to bring yourself and solve these problems and just keep making learning and teaching better for everybody. Right. Right. And and right now, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about districts and schools who 
have had to pivot so much with their schedules. You know, we have some schools and districts that are full, full virtual right now, like ours, mm-hmm. but might be bringing in um, some students for limited in-person instruction. There are some districts that are doing a, a hybrid model where they're going to be, you know, in cohorts of kids on certain days of the week, and then maybe having a day where it's full virtual. And then there's those that are fully back in, in the class. And so what I'm wondering is, as you talk is uh, for those, because we have lots of listeners of the show that are administrators, and we have listeners that are teachers and everywhere in between. And I'm, I'm thinking about uh districts right now that are looking at their schedule and trying to optimize time and trying to mm-hmm. um, create maybe different pockets of, of PD time set aside for teachers and and really trying to, um, you know, think differently about our daily schedules. What would you suggest um, as kind of uh, I don't know is the optimal, but one way that you would suggest for those schools who are trying to design a schedule that would allow for this innovation to occur and to go through this process, mm-hmm. what what would be a good model to to set students, uh, well, teachers up for success to make this innovation happen in their in their learning environments? Oh, that's like a dream question. <laughs> so there's so many. I mean, first, obviously, every single school and situation is going to be different. I guess my gut response to that is start by listening to your teachers. Truly ask them, but only ask them, please administrators, only ask teachers for their input if you're truly going to use it. So if you already kind of know what you think you want to do, don't ask. Just say this is what's happening. But my gut always goes to any time there's a decision like that, ask. I know that that's opening a can of worms. Trust me. I've listened to other teachers. I I get it. Like anytime you ask, you're going to get a lot of complaining. You're going to get all of these things. It's going to be messy. Um, But honestly, that's just where my gut is. Ask first, in part because I think right now everyone is so overwhelmed that Teachers need to be heard and feel like they are being part of the solution. That's just my natural go-to. The other nice thing about this is while having a day to do this process is really helpful, you can certainly chunk this into a couple. uh, You can break this down, right? So start by having... I think any type of brainstorming workshop situation, it's hard to do much in under an hour. You could do some things collaboratively and virtually, though. So (laughs) talking to a tech integration coach, there are some pieces of this and probably a lot of this PD is going to have to be virtual. You could do some initial um, data gathering. So not just when is this going to happen, but what do we want to work on, right? Right. Some simple surveys, maybe, you know, use uh, a virtual post-it note, use a tech tool, use like a Google survey. What are the problems that people are experiencing? And you need to ask some specific, some, some nice guided questions of just what is making your day harder than you feel it should be? 
right? Don't just ask people what's wrong, right? Rephrase that question in several different ways to try to get at what is, you know, the biggest obstacle right now from students having success in this learning environment? What is preventing parents and guardians from feeling like this learning environment is successful? Um, what complaints are you hearing on the street when you, you know, when you do see your students? What are people complaining about? So you could do some idea generation virtually um, and then have a, a couple hour long chunks. And that, again, is just my personal opinion. I think less than an hour, it's hard to get people's brains churning and moving um, unless you've really primed the pump ahead of time so that you can jump in and, and go. Um, because the reality is very few people have been asked to do this. Very few educators. We're not always asked to uh, and given a piece of paper and given support and given time and said, all right, we're going to work together right now and try to solve this problem. So I think the first time, maybe even the first couple of times that you approach this problem solving process, you want to take it a little bit slower our goal is that this process becomes so natural to teachers that eventually you don't even need the educator canvas. It just becomes part of how you think. You think in problem and solution statements and you just think of how you're going to break this down. Um, certainly, Michelle and I are available um, as consultants to help coach through this process if that is something that is um, desirable. Our goal is that the book will largely serve as that coach. I know that doesn't help right now, this instant, um, but I'm happy to answer questions via email, um, to set up some Zoom calls. But I think the first thing is, you know, dedicate an hour, even if it's an hour a week. Um, but I always go back to start by listening. What, what does your staff want? What would work for them? Um, and then ask those questions, find out what isn't working. But at the same time, I'm sorry, I almost forgot this. You have to ask what is working. Yeah. What was the most amazing? What made learning magical mm -hmm. this week? What was, what did you do that made your kids flip out? Like what happened? Like what unexpected solution did you discover this week? What was a new tool that just made your teaching experience so much better, so much easier, so much richer. Make sure to ask both sides of that coin. You need the yin and, you, and the yang. You need what isn't working and what's bothering people and what's weighing them down. But you need to ask them about their joys and their successes mm -hmm. now more than ever because we don't see each other. Right. And we have to celebrate even the small successes of people figuring things out and working through. And if we don't reward the innovation that is happening right now, we're not going to have more innovation. So I can't believe I almost forgot that, but make sure you're listening and you're celebrating all of those successes. And maybe that is even the first thing to do before you ask them when you want to do PD, just take time to listen. Like, what are you doing that is, like, what was one thing that just went really well today? And ask and ask and ask and get people to share. Because some of those ideas 
are going to be the solutions to the problems that other people are happening are having. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love, I love that so much. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about how this is modeling what we really want to happen in classrooms, right? Like we want our kids to own their learning. We want them to yep. just, we want, as just as we want our students to own their learning, we want our, our teachers to own their teaching. And I think what a wonderful way for teachers to work through that process and then bring that to their classrooms. I mean, what a wonderful model for their students to go through and to find yeah. problems and to be able to work through those. I mean, that is, that's so empowering. And you're absolutely right. It's really hard to model as a teacher, to model the kind of mindset that we want to develop in students if we're not practicing that mindset ourselves. Yeah. And the nice thing, like I said, this canvas is free. Download it. Teachers that I've worked with as we've gone through the canvas, they always, you know, I give people a copy and they don't want to write on it <laughs> because they want to keep a nice clean copy. And I always say, I have so many copies of this. I will give you as many copies as you want. And here's the link. You can download, you can print as many copies as you want. And the look of joy on their faces, it's that great simple thing, like the simple joys. They'll go, oh my goodness, because I need to use this with my students. Yeah. And I always, there's that little piece of my heart that just jumps and does a dance. And it's like, yes, because there's nothing about the educator canvas that can't be about students finding pro um, solutions to problems. And ideally, I mean, like that, what a great PBL, like, right? Saying, yeah. okay, this isn't working. This isn't working right now in our classroom. Right. X doesn't work. So we as a collective community of learners, we're going we're gonna to figure out a solution. Yeah. And that's risky as a teacher, right? Because whatever they come up with as a solution, you better be willing to do. But talk about a true design learning and um, human-centered design experience. Because I love that you said that. That, yeah, like use this worksheet with your students. Give it to them as they're doing a PBL. How can you make sure that people who are isolated are experiencing joy? Yeah. Oh, right? That's your problem. Come up with a solution to that, kids. And fill out here are all of these, the, the questions that are in that on the canvas are not so specific. They're specific to solving problems, not mm -hmm. to solving education problems. So right. turn them loose. Let go. I mean, if there was any, again, same thing, if there's anything that we can do and embrace during this time of absolute craziness, why not use it to create some joy and to solve some other problems in, in our communities? So use it. That would be, I would love that if this became a tool that students were running around filling out the educator canvas to solve problems. Wow. Well, I will definitely be adding that uh, website link to our uh, podcast notes or show notes. So definitely look there for that. And then you all will um, definitely be wanting to check out this book when it comes out in just, I mean, a short amount of time. So you said December or January. We are in December now. So uh, we will all be anxiously awaiting this. I just think about 
um, my own district and my role as a tech integration specialist and the conversations that I'm in on a daily basis with administrators and teachers. And I think that Mm -hmm. what you have created is something that is going to be really, really valuable for for schools, you know, throughout um, our nation and world. So I'm so excited uh, for you to launch this book. And I am so excited to learn from you. You are just a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Darcy. And I know our listeners are going to definitely want to follow you and know how they can find out when that book comes out. So how can they connect? Well, you can learn more um, at theeducatorslab.com. Right at the top of the page, there's information about the book. You can sign up for our newsletter link so you get emails as soon as anything is ready. You can follow me at dbakigard on Twitter, and I will be sharing information as I have it. Um, and I will, I will certainly let you, Tisha, know as soon as anything is ready. So hopefully you can um, help push that out as well. You can follow Michelle, my co-author. She's at Educators Lab on Twitter. And between the two of us, the book will be coming out from Times 10 Publishing. And so those would all be great ways to stay in touch. Um, you can reach out to me via Twitter. Um, otherwise, I will happily share my email with you, Tisha, that you can put in the show notes. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, I can't wait. I will be one of the first purchases purchasers <laughs> of your book when it, it comes out. Have a wonderful night and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you are inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week.